0: Peace, grace. This is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so, if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from Psalm 22. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, it's a longer one of the psalms, and so go ahead. I say this often, but I really do mean it. Whatever position will help you to, to listen, even if it means you need to lay down in a pew to do so, take it so that you can really hear these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry. By day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, and thrown on the praises of Israel, and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried, and were saved, and you they trusted, and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, and not human. Scorned by others and despised by all the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, Do not be far away. Oh, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. My life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen. You have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. Stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. For He did not despise or bore the the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide His face from me, but heard when I cried to Him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear Him. The poor shall eat. And be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you join me in prayer? Holy God, from this ancient song, may we put it in our own mouths and sing a new song to you. May we get something holy and true, something real and divine from the moments we spend savoring these scriptures. Amen. Last weekend, Catherine Carson was here, and I was away because I was at a wedding in Chicago of two very good friends from Divinity School. She's a Lutheran pastor. He's a Methodist pastor. Together, Luther and Wesley have been united. When you marry two ministers, though, you get a lot of clergy showing up. Three of the bridesmaids were pastors, two disciples, one Methodist. The brother of the groom is a Methodist minister, and he officiated. And the crowd was myself and Kelsey, another two disciples, an Episcopal, a Lutheran, and the Methodist host pastor, and two seminary professors. Needless to say, we were holy rolling. (laughs) At the reception, I got to catch up with my preaching and pastoral care professor, One of those, another one of those disciples ministers, and I was telling her the story of how a month ago we were helping out our new Amish friend, Larry, you know, and so in turn, she then told me the most curious story about her road trip to visit her grandchildren in Oregon. She decided to drive and stay wherever she wanted from that long trip from Chicago to the West Coast because after a year of reworked plans, she just needed time without any plan that would fail. And so she just stopped at the places she saw fit. And so she was going and traveling and she decided to stop at a teeny tiny town in Wyoming. I think that's the only way towns come in Wyoming anyway. And the man said... As he looked at her license, Chicago, you're a fair piece away. "Ah, It's not that far. It's just two days drive or so. Well, he continued, I've never been away from here. You mean you've never left town? No. Whole life. But I'm going to take my first trip. I'm going to go to Florida. Oh, she said, "I hope you're vaccinated. The virus is bad there." Do you mean the measles? I got that vaccine when I was a kid. No, for 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 COVID. What's COVID? As it turns out, he didn't really watch the news. He heard about it a few times, but eh, it's not that big of a deal, right? He didn't know that the world for eighteen months around him has been turned upside down and rocked back and forth. In remote Wyoming, life has been the same. It so my prof- he wanted the vaccine, so my professor helped him register for a vaccine that night. And but he left her with the request: tell them about the cows. Because as it turns out, COVID hasn't come to visit him in remote Wyoming. But he has been suffering. His part of the world is under extreme drought. There's no water for feed or for crops and no water for the cows. And so they're having to euthanize their cattle. And it's quite scary where he is. So he told her, tell them about the cows. 22nd Psalm opens with these haunting words, and if you've heard them, I don't think you'll forget them. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right next to perhaps the most celebrated scripture in the entire Christian and Jewish canon, the 23rd Psalm, we have right next to it a very different song. There are no shepherds in green grass or tables in the presence of thine enemies. No, this is a psalm of lament instead of victory. It's a psalm that includes the line, I can count all my bones. The psalmist compares himself to a worm. He describes encircling bulls and people and dogs and lions. And of course, it opens with the show-stopping line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Psalms were hymns, and sometimes synagogues and churches will still sing them to this day, putting them to sometimes old music, sometimes new. They were the background and have been the background of faith for thousands of years, just like great is thy faithfulness, or Jesus loves me, this I know, or abide with me. One of the downfalls, if one only has a diet of contemporary music, is that it is new and of the moment, which is important because it speaks to life for us that is new and of the moment. But it means necessarily that it's not the songs our ancestors sang. It isn't putting us in a tradition of wisdom gleaned from generation to generation, of hitting the same notes, sometimes with grace, sometimes with a joyful noise. But this song, this psalm has been sung in its perhaps most famous recitation was from our Lord Jesus. In Mark and Matthew's gospel, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are the only words that Jesus of Nazareth says from the cross. And that one line of Jesus is one of the hardest to square theologically for those of us who believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. How can God be abandoned by God? St. Augustine or St. Augustine of Hippo which would be in modern-day Algeria, for those of you who are geographically inclined. St. Augustine is one of the oldest Christian thinkers, and he has a few thoughts on how to read these words of Psalm 22 put into the mouth of Jesus. The first is that Jesus is the completion of Psalm 22, or for those who believe in Jesus, he is the best example of Psalm 22. Jesus is the one abandoned, encircled, taunted, He is the one on the cross far from help. And yet, he too is confident in the coming glory of God. A second way he suggests that we can think about this is that Jesus' mouth says our lines for us. And that Jesus says such a line from the cross to point us back to Psalm 22 so that we will read it afresh and realize that He is taking on our role so that we will know just how scary and dangerous a predicament that we are in, and yet give us confidence as we then join that song and say it with him that we are confident in victory with God. And both of these are fine, and I mostly believe both of these are true, but I also believe a third thing is happening, and I believe that third thing is very important, which is I believe that Jesus really said these words from the cross, and I believe that he really felt them. He might have been saying our line, but he was saying his own too. Like us, when we are in despair, we will sometimes sing and recite the songs of our faith, and I think Jesus is doing that too. I don't pretend to know how Jesus related back to God during his life on earth, But I do believe that on the cross, Jesus felt far from God, his heavenly parent. So far away that the real punishment may not have been the physical torture of crucifixion, but the abandonment he felt by God. Which is great, he might be saying, but what do slaughtered cows, the execution of Jesus, and this troubling psalm have to do with mental health? We are in our third of four weeks on our worship series, Mental Health Matters. We're taking time during this month of October to pause, to say something that churches don't often say, which is that mental health matters to all of us, that mental health matters are important to those of us who have a mental illness, and that mental health matters are important to those of us who love someone who has a mental illness. But perhaps even more importantly that the matters of mental health are important for those of us who aren't ill but simply exist because each of us have a mental health. And in this time it is more important than ever that the church breaks the silence around mental health and that we value a scientific and psychological approach to mental health care. And so we are attempting to do just that in this church. And that alone is important. To give you all a little teaser, next week we're going to talk about mental health care for everyone and doctoral student and professor Jessica Mole is going to help us do just that. And I hope you'll come for that experience. But today I want to dwell specifically on the topic of mental illness. And not just mental illness, but mental illness and God. And as many of you know, I think that the church, not just our congregation, and not even especially our congregation, but the church writ large, gets mental health wrong. And I think we get it wrong because we so often teach, sometimes implicitly, even sometimes explicitly, that God is the one who causes mental illness, and only God can treat mental illness. According to research from Lifeway, which is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, One-third of Americans believe that prayer and Bible study alone can overcome serious mental illness. And 35% agree with the statement that with just Bible study and prayer alone, people with serious mental illness like depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia could overcome mental illness. Those are troubling statistics mostly because I don't think we would say that about any other type of illness, but about one in three Americans believe that spiritual disciplines, like prayer and fasting and the repentance from sin, are enough to effectively treat, manage, and overcome mental illness. And so I am left wondering what happens to those who pray and pray, who fast, who repent for sins that they haven't even committed, just to find relief. And what happens to the faith of those who will still have the same symptoms? I imagine they might feel forgotten by God or lied to about who God is which I imagine would compound the effects of mental illness itself. Mental illness which causes enough pain and suffering all in its own right. And so that I think that the church's often harmful way of talking about mental health and mental illness just might be shaking the faiths of those who do have a mental illness or love those who are experiencing mental illness. It might just be shaking the faith of those who want to believe but feel that they cannot or would not with a God who would do this to them. I think if we are not careful, very careful, we compound suffering for our siblings and even for ourselves. And so, my friends, and especially my friends who are experiencing mental illness or love those who are experiencing mental illness, I do not believe that God causes mental illness. Nor do I believe that God caused Jesus to be executed by the Roman government on the behalf of the religious rulers. I don't believe God causes suffering. I just don't. The goodness and compassion of God went out for me whenever I have to look closely at the suffering of others I just don't have the ability to look at brokenness and see divine design. And the reason I cannot do this is because of Jesus. Because when Jesus showed up in flesh and showed us what God looks like moving around on the face of the earth, Jesus had the supreme compassion for those who were ill or disabled I cannot do this because when we see Jesus showing up, we have God in the flesh. And that that God in the flesh, what Jesus does is to spend time and care with those who have been put out of their families and their towns due to illness and suffering. And I can believe that God does not cause suffering. Because Jesus suffered for no cause. Even the one who got it all correct, who made an A on the test of being human, that Jesus still suffered pain. And that Jesus, that same Jesus, felt abandoned in his suffering too. Just like we might from time to time. The man from Wyoming wanted us, us, to know about the cows. And I'll have to tell you the truth. Before I learned about the man from Wyoming, I didn't know about the cows. Because he and his cows are suffering in this drought. There is no water. And so there is fear and there is suffering. And he feels abandoned out there. And so he pleaded, what might seem silly until you are able to look in the moment, tell them about the cows. Somebody in your world feels abandoned, abandoned by their friends or abandoned in resources or perhaps even abandoned by God. And it might even be you. And I don't know that pain has to have a meaning. But I know that when they pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They are praying that same prayer which Jesus prayed from the cross. They are praying that other prayer which Jesus retaught his disciples. I can't offer easy platitudes, friends. I believe a few things, I believe that even though God doesn't cause suffering, that not everything happens for a reason, that God can make meaning out of even the worst. I know that the feelings of pain and suffering and even an abandonment can go away, and I also know that they can stay far too long. But one of the things that I trust is that presence and friendship, and in the case of mental illness, that medical and psychological treatment can help. But most of all, if you're feeling that deep pain and suffering for whatever reason, because of grief or loss or because of joblessness or wandering, because of illness of any kind, then perhaps it is a minor consolation but let it be a consolation nonetheless Jesus himself has been where you are and when we see God acting in the world through Jesus he didn't choose to be far from the suffering God's glory didn't flee from suffering but ran to get as close as possible so close that Jesus took suffering on and felt it in his bones bones that he could count Those moments of pain and suffering can really shake our faith in God. But through Jesus, perhaps we can see a faith that is shaken, but not stirred, not stirred away. So perhaps one day, or even in many days to come, we might see the other end of that psalm, just like our brother Jesus. Because the God-given medicines worked, or the rains came back, or because that inexplainable peace has flooded our soul. And perhaps one day, or perhaps even in many days to come, we might see the other end of that psalm like our Savior, Jesus. Because friends have arrived, or because we have shed some of that guilt that some TV preacher or person has put on us, or because we realize that Jesus has been here too. And so it is just a touch less lonely. And perhaps one day or in many days to come, we will see the other end of that psalm just like our friend Jesus. The other end of that psalm which says posterity will serve God. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that God has done it. Maybe perhaps one day or in many days to come. Our faith, which might be shaken but may not be stirred away, will let us, like our brother Jesus, sing the other end of the psalm. Amen. This sermon podcast is a ministry of First Christian Church, El Reno, Oklahoma. It is preached about 85% of the time by Senior Minister Colton Lott, about 10% of the time by Associate Minister Tara Dew, and about 5% of the time from a beloved guest. If you check the math and we're wrong, don't worry about it. This podcast is produced by communications coordinator Rachel Carlson, and the instrumentalization you hear is by Chris Prather, our bell choir director, percussionist, and composer in residence. Christian community is made up by the individuals who show up each week, and so while this has been preached and produced by some, it is the work of many. So whether you Show up with your body or with your enthusiasm, with your dollars, with your prayers, or your love. Thank you for making the body of Christ real and felt and known. Go and be a blessing this day and always, friends. Amen.